0: Welcome to The Truth About, a podcast where we cut the bullcrap and get down to the nitty-gritty so that we can live our best lives. I am joined by the amazing Rachel Smith, who is a sex therapist, and today we're going to get the wonderful opportunity uh, to explore the truth about sex and shame.
1: Uh, Well, first, it is such an honor to be here. I am so excited because anytime anyone asks me to come and have a conversation about sex, I am there, (laughs) right? Because we don't have these conversations enough. And the fact that we're not having these conversations is...
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem. That's why you have a job. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I
1: have a job. But that's why we're having this conversation around shame, right? Because we're not having these conversations. So thank you. It's It's an honor. And so, yes, my name is Rachel Smith. I'm the founder of Infinite Intimacy. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist with a certification in sex therapy. So I help women and couples really get to know themselves in a different way Mm -hmm. by connecting with their own bodies and their
0: own pleasure Mm -hmm. so that we can then experience the pleasure we deserve in relationships. It's something I think that we don't talk about enough. Right. Um, I think it's something that our culture uh, exposes a lot, but does not actually converse about. So right. as a sex therapist, what are your ideas on sex and shame and the way that the culture you know, sets us up? Okay, so I think the two are very closely linked,
1: right? And it's really because our society sets us up in a way where sex is everywhere right we we've all heard the saying sex sells right because when we see certain images around sex and sexuality and in you know those Advertisements, but movies and media and music. Right, we're giving all of these images Mm -hmm. and underlying messages around what sex is supposed to be, how we're supposed to be showing up sexually, what our sexual relationships are supposed to look like.
0: Yeah. But then
1: when we go to talk about our actual experience, says no, thank you. Yeah. Right? Isn't it so interesting? Yeah.
0: Well, because the messages that we get under is like this is good you're you're interested, you're intrigued by it, right. but then on the other side, it's, hey, don't do that. Close your eyes, right? Like, no, we don't talk about that. Yes. You know, when you think of masturbation and, like, all of that, no, you don't do that. So it really creates this, like opposing messages that can be really confusing for a lot of people yes,
1: for sure and when I was doing my certification one of my instructors he called it sexual schizophrenia
0: which I loved <laughs> when I saw that because I thought that was very clever so yes. what is sexual schizophrenia okay so if you don't know what schizophrenia is it's when we often you know
1: People here are maybe hearing some voices and some like delusional thoughts or hallucinations in terms of thoughts and or sometimes images and things that we see. Mm -hmm. Right. And but the reality is, is that it's not real. Right. We're hearing all of these things. But then if we're looking at reality, none of these things are present. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the same thing <laughs> happens with sex and the messages that we're getting, right? Yeah. These images, these messages of, you know, we have to look this way and we have to try this position and this is the best position mm-hmm. and all of those types of things, right? But then when it's actually practiced in yeah. real life, it is
0: not real. Yeah, it's like, it's, you know, asking to be quiet in yes. so many ways, But then knowing that something's there, and I think that's where, like, the schizophrenia part where it's, like, you know it's there, but then reality is, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. You don't talk about that. You don't do that. But also know everything when you get there. Yes. Don't mess it up. And you're, like, it's kind of like the, you know what I think of um, when they say (laughs) the, like, don't think of an elephant? Right. And then you're thinking about an elephant, and now you feel bad for thinking about an elephant because they told you thinking about elephants is really bad. For sure. That's what it feels like.
1: I see this a lot with men with Mm -hmm. performance anxieties. And so, this idea that, you know, well, if men have lost an erection, right, then that's kind of the first thing on their mind going into their next. Mm-hmm sexual encounter mm. so
0: it's like don't think about losing the erection don't think about losing the erection but then, then it goes yeah and then yeah. the message that comes aside is as a woman yeah. or, or even on the other side because even if you know what no matter who's in the bed when it seems as though arousal is down right mm-hmm. they've lost their erection maybe you've dried up maybe something along those lines there's so much shame of like this person's not interested in me yeah and there's like anatomy stuff that we're like well actually hold on let's have a conversation but yet again we're supposed to know all of those things we're supposed to be aware of how things are supposed to be how to please your partner and uh don't mess it up or they'll cheat on you because that's what i heard growing up from i i know in the spanish culture continuously i had my mom's friends Mm -hmm. that were like oh no you need to dress up no 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 don't don't lose you know don't let them lose interest don't you know they're gonna cheat on you and you're like well, I wasn't worried, but I guess now I am a little bit. And right. it's so, like, rooted in there. So many mixed messages um, in sure. that regard. For sure. And, I mean, tied to this, this duty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: the expectations that are placed on us sexually is really... They're unrealistic, Mm. right? And then the problem is when we're given all of these images, all of these messages around what sex is supposed to be, right? And so then we have built up this expectation in our mind, Mm. right? And then, and then when it comes to our real, our actual experience, Mm -hmm. and if our reality doesn't measure up to the images and expectations that are being placed to us, then we start to think, well, what's wrong wrong with with me? Right? Yeah. Am I broken? Am I defected in some mm-hmm. way? Right? Yeah, like, yeah. We literally go into this shame space, right? Yeah. Because we are not, we feel we're not measuring up to what society is telling us we we should be or what our partner is telling us we should be. That's based on their expectation too. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And even if our partner is not telling us anything, right? It's what we think our partner is thinking.
0: Yeah. So when we look at shame, Mm -hmm. you know, going into that space, I guess it's important to first say, what is shame, right? Right. Because some people might look at that in different ways and stuff. So how would um, you describe shame in this context,
1: so whenever we talk about shame, I really, I have to go back to research from Brene Brown, right? Because, she did a lot of research. I love well, myself some research. I, and, and shame research is the foundation of her work, yes. right? And so people know her for her work on vulnerability, right? But she has even said that she wouldn't be able to get to this place of vulnerability without researching shame, yeah. right? And then when we talk about intimacy, mm-hmm. we can't talk about intimacy without vulnerability. <laughs> yes. And then therefore. <laughs>
0: right, it all connects, they it all
1: connects, yeah, right. And so, when Brene Brown talks about shame, she talks about it in this idea of, um, and th- this comes from her newest book, um, Atlas of Atlas. the Heart, yes. yes, Atlas of the Heart. And she talks about how shame is essentially falling short. That it's placed in this category of this is the feeling that we experience when we are falling short
0: Mm. in some
1: way, right? Mm. And then she makes this distinction between guilt and shame, where guilt is feeling badly about something that we did, Mm -hmm. where shame is feeling badly about who we are. So, this idea that is a powerful idea, it's defining,
0: it's self defining. Oh, and you know where it it takes me in that regard is. The religious aspect Mm -hmm. and uh, being raised in the church for for those that had that experience, no matter what church, really, Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. of religions have something to say about sex and and what's appropriate and what's not. Um, It goes where we're attempting to put fear, to bring guilt. Yep. Which ultimately is bringing shame. And I don't think that's the intention, but it's what's happening. And people are dealing with this idea of who they are versus what they did.
1: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we bring in religion, Mm. religion is really, I think, kind of the root around where we experience shame sexually so okay we have all of these images and messages that were being given in society right mm-hmm. and if we don't measure up to that then what's wrong with me
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right
1: and then this religious foundation that i mean this country is
0: founded upon yeah <laughs> right? and religion gives us a space of morals and values exactly. and that's really what exactly. a, a lot of people gear towards and right. what they're able to take out of it right um, so then when sex is Put in spaces of shame, then it hits personal. Your morals, your value. You're not a moral person. You're not a good person. What you're doing is not good. Exactly, and so it could really twist up how you see yourself.
1: For women, it's especially difficult, right? Because for women, if we even step into the sexual space or really step into our sexual being, Mm -hmm. we are viewed as being a slut or a whore or promiscuous and you know that we um you know are not allowed Mm -hmm. you know to have the same type of experiences that are often encouraged for men
0: or even desires Mm -hmm. like having a desire Mm -hmm. for sex yes uh, makes you look just weird like it's it's weird you're supposed to always be available to initiate and to, you know, be sexy and be all these things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they don't necessarily also consider the actual anatomies of of women and mm-hmm. men. And I, th- I think those, those things that influence us mm-hmm. are never considered. Right. It, it's like, where did this idea come from that if... A woman wants sex, it's seen badly. And we know, you know, patriarchy and pa- patriarchy and, you know, it being a very male dominated society. I mean, we yes. can get into that part, which is a totally different, <laughs> totally different <laughs> podcast for a different day. It's not even that women are the only ones affected. Men are very affected by shame. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you normally see um, in therapy with shame and, and men and like how that influences them? So men more so, it's around
1: performance, mm. right? So this idea that they are supposed to be rock hard every time mm-hmm. right and god forbid they lose an erection mm-hmm. right because then you're they view themselves as um you know deficient in some way yeah. right? like
0: well what's wrong with me i'm supposed to i'm supposed to want this all the time like i'm right. supposed to have because they do talk about men as like they're always horny they always want to give it to them when they want it and if a guy's like I actually really just want to have a snack and, and watch Love is Blind. Like, I was really interested in that. Like, what's wrong with him? Like, right. you know, what, what's going on here? This isn't sufficient in that way. And so it's like right. you have that that idea that you have to always be on. So in the moment, For sure. don't finish. Right. Right? Right, like, right. Yes. Well,
1: you know, when it comes to performance, I think there's this expectation that men are supposed to know right Mm -hmm. they're supposed to know what turns a woman on how to lead them to orgasm and all of the responsibility has been placed on them right yeah and so that is problematic within itself right but if we look if we base sex on this performance model Mm. right then we are not going to be able to access the pleasure that is available right Because because we're so busy in the game Yeah, exactly. Right. We again, we have to feel we feel we have to measure up. I think
0: about shame, you know, as we describe it. And a lot of shame is rooted in our expectations of what yes. we should do, what we shouldn't do, what yes. we should know. Right. Um, and I think those expectations need to be more aligned with what we actually have versus where we should be. Right. I think the standard is where we should be, right? I think people should be educated about their vulva and not call it a vagina. I think mm-hmm. people should know that the clitoris expands to much farther than they think that it does. Yes. Um And that it's okay for a man to say, I, I really want to watch Love is Blind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think the expectation is often the standard. And so we walk into it and go, okay, well, this is what's supposed to happen. And you go, well, wait a second. Do do we have the knowledge? Have we had the conversations? I heard someone once say the best sex is the sex that's spoken about. Mm -hmm. When people talk about it in relationships Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Not doing it five times a week, a perfect recipe or equation. um, But we have expectations in our heads that match our standards instead of matching our realities. Right, right. Well... And going back to Brene Brown's work,
1: right, Mm -hmm. this idea, because she also makes a distinction between the way men experience shame and the way women experience shame, Mm. right? And for men, she says that shame is centered around weakness, right, where feeling weak, feeling as though they're not, again, you know, being able to provide all the things, right? Mm. Where for women... It comes down to these expectations that we are supposed to be able to do all the things, mm-hmm. right, without any problem, right? Mm-hmm. I have to show up in in my career. I have to show up as a mother. I have to show up as a wife. I have to show up as, a you know, a housekeeper in all of these ways. I have to make sure that everything is floating perfectly, mm-hmm. right? And God forbid you drop a ball, right? And God forbid... You are exhausted after a long day of work and taking care of the kids. And then by the time you get to bed, you're expected to turn on in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, we're shamed for that, mm. right? But then going back to, well, what are the messages that we have heard and learned around sex and sexuality? And and how are we supposed to be showing up here, right? Mm. And this this dichotomy between who who we think we're supposed to be and what is actually happening in our reality when those two things do not measure up, then we think that there's a serious problem with us.
0: Yeah, and that goes, again, that where we should be versus where yes. we are and that mm-hmm. expectation and standard and mm-hmm. how they don't necessarily match. Right. Um, and it's interesting because even as you say it about the differences we find in, in men and women, just like naturally, right? And right. I know there's a big conversations about mm-hmm. gender, ex- you know, and expressions and stuff like that. Yes. We still hear similar issues within the human experience, right? Where you don't feel like you're enough, you're doing all these things, right? Um, And I think I I also put a disclaimer to say that we. Can all experience all of those things? Yes. We do find them more in one than the other. That's just mm-hmm. the way that research is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we find is the same thing we find with kids. Like we find that little boys have certain behaviors, little girls have other ones. Mm-hmm. Is that structured by society though? Yes. Right? Is it genetic? Is it society? Right? I think there's multiple influences. Um, but I think sometimes even as we like start to separate and show that there are different experiences, people are like, "Wait, but I have that too." And you're like, "Yes, absolutely." Human human experience to the basis yes. of it. Um, and then when we We branch it off. It it helps people align a little bit better, um, even if it is just society's expectations of being a mother and all the things Mm -hmm. you're supposed to do. And as a woman, you're supposed to turn on, and why didn't Mm -hmm. you have lingerie under your clothes? (laughs) Like, why were you not ready when he got here? What do you mean, right? you're Um, supposed to as
1: the duty as your wife right Mm -hmm. and going back to some of the cultural expectations as you were describing in latin cultures and we are it is our duty
0: Mm. to fulfill our man's needs it's also our duty to stay sexy for them keep Mm. them interested so i had i was like i was maybe like 19 20 i mean why Mm -hmm. are you telling a 20 year old this and one of my mom's friends was like hey you're gonna have another piece of bread You know you got to be careful you can't gain weight they're gonna Mm -hmm. cheat on you Mm -hmm. right and they'll leave and I'm like mind you my ex did cheat on me and I was like oh my gosh and all of those things was it you was it and I remember at the end (laughs) listen it was the extra piece of bread that's that's what it was and I remember at the end of that relationship I was struggling when when he looked at me and goes I don't know if I love you and I was like It's because I gained weight. It's because I did this. I changed all of it. Yes. Because I didn't really understand what was going on. And it was a him problem, not a me problem. I'm amazing. Um, But I, all of those things came back. For sure. Like, don't do this. Lose weight. I cut my hair. Right. I did things differently. But noticing there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Right. I was like, there must be. Exactly. And then he cheated. So I was like. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, able to to keep his his attention, fulfill his needs. Um, and you know, by the grace of the Lord and therapy (laughs) that left and, and I was so grateful Mm -hmm. partly to have the experience so I could break that cycle, right. Right. From my culture, from my history. When I got married, my, my love, my mom, but she changed. She was like, did you make him breakfast? And I was like, you have never taught us that like what are you actually make sure you make him food he has to stay and i was like wow these things are rooted because my mom was single while i was like growing up so i've never seen her with a guy um and so they just stay these ideas and i think the way we move through them is to acknowledge them yes is to see them absolutely absolutely yeah it's and the the not enoughs
1: are the hardest hardest thing to take a look at right Mm -hmm. because again it's as you're describing these roots of where they're coming from yeah. and, and the belief system and how it impacts who we think we are, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and again, back to Brene Brown, <laughs> she says- Brene, if you're two. listening, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love you. We love you over here. <laughs> Just, you can sit
0: right here in between us.
1: <laughs> I know. But as she says, shame is driven by the not enoughs, right? Mm-hmm. And who do we think we are? Right. And so this idea of, okay, as a woman, if I want to show up sexually, Mm. who do you think you are doing that?
0: Mm. Right.
1: That is not your place. That's not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to sit in the corner, look pretty and smile and then, you know, prepare the meals and take care of the children and take care of the house. And Mm. but then at the end of the day, you have to. Flip the switch, Flip right? It. And you have to turn on in a different way. And you have to have all of this energy and be excited mm. about having sex because this is something that you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. This is what keeps your marriage alive. And this is what keeps your husband interested.
0: Yeah, I feel right? as a as a marriage and family therapist, I get the beautiful opportunity to be in the room with couples, which <laughs> includes tension and beautiful moments. Yes. Um, and really, I, I feel like my job as a couples therapist is... To identify patterns mm-hmm. create conversation yeah That's yeah. it. And, and I know you were a masters in, in marriage and family also yes they didn't teach us what makes a good relationship like no. there's no class on okay this is good communication this is right. a good marriage well that's where gotman comes in yeah <laughs> Gottman. <laughs> gotman's different so gotman's one of the only ones that actually have research right, right that actually exactly. was like hey by the way yeah this is actually good communication right. and whatnot but through the master what we get like a piece of him yes. right in the two years or, or so exactly. on that we do yeah. and so i think a lot of it is creating conversation for them to see what's good sex for what's sure. good communication when we're taught well do all of these things because it'll keep your marriage but we're at 50 percent right now divorce rate 50 yep. divorce
1: rate yes and and that's it's just this is this is what makes it so interesting right and kind of um you know insane in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. when we are thinking about all these things that we're supposed to do for for the marriage when you're saying okay what makes good communication what makes for good sex mm-hmm. right if we aren't able to talk about mm-hmm. these things, right? The expectation, the big elephant, right, is staying right here. Mm-hmm. But you want to know one of the biggest factors in terms of women experiencing low desire? What? Well, one, i mean, one of the number one uh-huh. is actually being too exhausted and being too tired. I'm sleepy already. And, and sleepy, yes, yes, <laughs> I'm too tired. And then another one is actually not enjoying the sex that they're having. Mm. Oh, yeah. So if we're not enjoying the sex that we're having, then why would we want to have it?
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like a simple them. behavior reinforcement. It's sure. enjoyable, or even it's connecting. Everything doesn't have to be a 10. Every sex experience doesn't have to be a 10, no. but there's connections yes. that's desirable and enjoyable. And yes. sometimes people aren't getting that. Right. And exactly. Women aren't focused on ple- like it, you having pleasure. No, no. Like that's mm-hmm. not. But also, the man's supposed to make sure you finish and that you're right. pleased, but also your pleasure is not the focus. I mean, it's just such mixed messages. Exactly. exactly. In that way. Right. But then
1: when. I mean, how are we going to have these conversations when sex is so rooted in shame, right? Mm. So how can I tell you that I didn't really enjoy this thing that we did right? Mm -hmm. Because then I'm going to make you feel bad Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hurt your ego.
0: Mm -hmm. And then it becomes about the other person, not about you. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll get defensive and you're fighting and then you fight about it and you fight about it and you don't, you're like, I just want to tell you that I really like to go left versus right. Like, why can't we just talk about that? (laughs) And that sometimes it's the simplicity of conversations to break the shame. Absolutely. Break the expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But I think the, First, you have to have the education, right? Yeah. And sex education in this country is, I mean, as we were talking about before, it's rooted in fear, right? Mm. We are told about all the negative things that, that you know, sex entails, right? If we're talking about STDs, we're talking about unwanted pregnancy, we're talking about getting your heart broken and, you know, your life is going to be over, you're going to ruin your life, yeah. right? If you engage in these acts, Right. But then, if we don't talk about the other side of it, mm-hmm. then how are we going to really understand the full scope of the type of experience we're, that we are really meant to have, mm-hmm. right? Not supposed to have. We are we are wired for pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And when we have the conversation about it, it's not about you know what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's about what I would like to experience here, Mm. right? And if we're able to shift the perspective around sex as a
0: performance, right? Sex Mm -hmm. is something we do versus sex is somewhere where we can be together. And it's like supporting me in in experience. Like, I want to experience this. Could you help me experience this? I've heard it's really interesting, right? Um, And that's very different than can you make sure this happens? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if we're talking about
1: partnership, right? And... One researcher that I follow very closely, his name is um, Dr. Barry McCarthy, and he talks about this idea of creating an intimate partner team. Oh, right. Because yes, okay, we can have solo sex, right? But if we're talking about sex with our partner, that's a team sport. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? That is. And so how do we ensure, right, Mm -hmm. that we are on the same page that we do kind of have the same game plan? in a sense, right? Because if you're thinking that I need to be showing up one way, and I'm thinking that you need to be showing up one way. And I'm thinking that, you experience pleasure in this way, because Mm -hmm. this is what I have been told, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of how to provide pleasure for a man versus how to provide pleasure for a woman. Mm -hmm. Right. And regardless of, of, you know, who you're the gender of your partner, right? We have these ideas and expectations of what we're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. but every person, every body, It's like literally different. So different. Yeah. We have all the same parts that are arranged in different ways. Very, very different. (laughs) So we have to check in with our partner, our current partner, right? We can't even go based off of the experience we had with a previous partner, because their body is going to be different than the body that you're dealing with, right? And so we have to check in, we have to ask these questions, and we can't just assume that it's the same across the board, because if we do that, right, then we are going to be missing the mark, and therefore we're going to be falling short, and then that drives these feelings of shame.
0: Yeah, well, I think if I put it kind of all together and I sum it up, I look at why is there shame around sex? And I'm I'm kind of grabbing even from our conversation. Mm-hmm. There's a, the space of uh, understanding your morals and values, and mm-hmm. often that's in religion. Mm-hmm. There's understanding your expectations, mm-hmm. and then there's really often right the society. lack of knowledge. Yeah, yes. the lack of knowledge about our bodies. Right. Right. And exactly. I feel like those things drive yes. shame. Kind of
1: in our experience. Yes, for sure. Because if we don't know how our bodies work and if we don't know the differences between our bodies, then we aren't going to be paying attention to the things that we need to experience the pleasure that we deserve
0: yeah so as a sex therapist how do we free (laughs) ourselves from this shame how do we break the chains so that we can enjoy and we can uh, take the pleasure that's deserving as you kind of said that we're meant for so the idea is that
1: we have to bring it to light we have to be able to have these conversations because Mm. she really highlights the fact that shame is tied and and reinforced by judgment, secrecy, and silence, right? Mm. And I... Personally, I have been struggling in terms of like social media and really being able to provide this education on a larger scale. Yeah. Because of all of the bans and all of the um, ways that social media often suppresses these types of conversations. Yeah.
0: Don't you guys have to like censor it now? Like they'll take it off if you put SEX. Yep nope, we can't do that. We can't. So we've had to, we've had to get really creative
1: with dollar signs and yeah, with how we're delivering this message. But then it's just so incredibly frustrating because it's reinforcing the shame, right? It's keeping these conversations hidden. It's keeping these conversations silenced and it's, it's requiring us to be secretive
0: around what it is that we're talking.
1: I go back to seeing these Instagram models and, you know, how... The
0: sex message, the silent one in the back end. Exactly, right? So sex is still being spoken about or being promoted. It's just different right it's not educational it's that that silent message that's bringing us
1: our sexual schizophrenia right exactly and so i love seeing women show off their bodies and feeling confident in their bodies and not just one type of body right Mm -hmm. all bodies that are showing up in this space and they're being and they're showing up in an empowered way Mm -hmm. and i love to see it because that's what we need well it's like
0: live your best i don't mind that happening it's hard to be in comparison to it. And you're like, hold on, this is different. This is education. This is important so that we don't, look at that and feel shameful for not exactly. being certain ways because they look and say oh well you know even exactly. with like vulvas they'll be yes. like oh my vulva doesn't look like that i didn't learn until my, my 20s how many like <laughs> the different ways that a vulva can look yes or there's still oh. adults that say vagina instead of vulva and mm-hmm. you're like it's a vulva vagina is yeah. the inner part yeah. um yeah. and i think like that that's really difficult especially for someone that might deviate off the norm oh, absolutely. and Social media is where we see a lot of things and we hear a lot of things and we learn. And so you're like, hey, if you're going to learn, at least learn it well. And so if we're not
1: able to bring these conversations to light, Mm. then we will continue to feel shame, right? And if we aren't able to receive the education that we need Mm -hmm. right then we will continue to question ourselves and what's wrong with us yeah right and so being able to create a a, a, for lack of better words safe space you know within our relationships with our partner Mm. to to be able to have these very raw and vulnerable conversations right Mm. but again we can't do that. We can't be vulnerable if we don't feel safe to do so, right? Yeah. But then we often don't feel safe to do so because we feel that there's going to be a lot of judgment around this. So, like a vicious again, cycle. Exactly. I was going to, we're like, we're feeding into this like negative feedback loop, right? It's yeah. like we can't, it's so hard to break out of this and be able to remind yourself of nobody is watching you in these spaces, right? Except for your it partner. It could be. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you choose to consent consent I'm totally cool with that
0: now <laughs> unless you choose to yeah, right? that's yeah. great and that's fun right but for the most part it's a very in like it's intimate because exactly. it's vulnerable because it's usually in the context of an intimate exactly. kind of uh experience right right with either yourself or your partner you know what it makes right. me think of too like couples that'll come and say oh, i can't talk to my partner about this they'll get super defensive they'll get super this and i'll say well, conver- then that means that sex is not what we're dealing with right now. We have bigger things that we need to we need to learn to communicate, yes. learn how to how to manage each other's defensiveness and and what horsemen's are coming out like yes. through our conversations and stuff like that. Um, and how do you deal with that? Right, going back to Gottman, and there's like a foundational piece that we need to go through because then in sex there's a lot of sh- get, like guilt and shame
1: mm-hmm. that we
0: have to manage through, and so it's a harder, more vulnerable topic. For sure. So. You talk about how we free ourselves from shame is to create conversation, is to bring yes. out our worries and our difficulties out into the conversations with our partners. Yes. What if we don't have partners and mm-hmm. we still are feeling this shame and this guilt? What do we do then? Mm-hmm. So what well, we need somebody to talk
1: to that we feel isn't going to place judgment on us. Right, mm-hmm. and so whether that is a a friend, whether that's a therapist, whether that's yourself with your journal, mm-hmm. and just being able to kind of get everything out there and mm-hmm. then take a look from a non judgmental stance, right? Of, yeah. Okay, these are. These are my experiences. These are the thoughts that I'm having around it. Where did these come from? Right? I think being able to take a look at where some of these ideas came from Mm -hmm. is so important because then we can differentiate. What's coming from us and what's coming from the outside world, right? What's coming from society? What's coming from my religion? What's coming from my parents? What's coming from my culture, right? Like whose voice, and I talk about this all the time with my clients, whose voice am I hearing in my head, Mm. right? Am I hearing my mom? Am I hearing my pastor? Am I hearing my grandma? Am I hearing my aunt? Am I hearing my ex-boyfriend, right? Like whose voice is this? Yeah. And if it's not coming from you, then we need to learn how to let that go. When I work with my couples around having these conversations, I, I like to recommend a certain structure that mm-hmm. can be really helpful. You know, learning how to navigate certain conversations. Yeah. Right? I was presented with this concept of the sandwich. Okay. Yeah. Are you familiar with this? No, no. Okay. I'm learning today. So the sandwich, it's kind of layering the conversation in a way where it can be a little bit more, uh, you know, especially if we're talking in the context of relationships. Your partner might be able to receive it a little bit better, okay. right? So we are talking about three different layers here. The first layer we want to mention something that's positive about the sexual experience Mm. or your sexual relationship, right? Okay. And so it's talking about, you know, hey, this thing that we did, I really love that, that really did that, it really turned me on, or
0: I really found that exciting, or I really felt connected to you. That must feel like uncomfortable for certain people because we're so used to talking about what you don't like. Oh, you rejected me. Oh, you did this. How often do we actually talk about that? so for like people to be like i don't know because i'll be like oh what do you like about your partner like i don't know because you're just so focused on the negative and it makes sense our bodies are supposed to focus on the negative to fix that right Like okay great experience but this is what we have to fix because we're survivors right right but to be able to discuss that one that probably feels great as a partner and then two it might be a little uncomfortable to even say it but it's such a great um thing to highlight because you also want to encourage them to do it a little bit more right 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 and it's so interesting because as you're talking um
1: going back to when you were describing how even the idea of pleasure is like yeah you know it makes me feel uncomfortable because we are so conditioned to look at the negative and look at the things that we don't want right but how often are we actually expressing the things that we do want Mm. right because again we're putting that that pressure and expectation and responsibility on our partner rather than taking responsibility for ourselves right? so that's one of the number one misconceptions when it comes to our sexual relationships Mm -hmm. right is that our partner is responsible right Mm -hmm. when the reality is we are responsible for our pleasure we are responsible for helping ourselves achieve orgasm as well yes if we're with a partner our partner can help us in that process right but we need to know our bodies we need to know our buttons we need to know what turns us on and what turns us off and we need to be able to communicate those things yeah so We're going to the sandwich, right? Yeah. So the first layer, something that we like, love, or enjoy. So create conversation around that. Yes, yes, right? So opening up the positive, right? Next layer is where we can address the things that maybe we didn't like so much. Hey, when you touch me here, ah, that made me feel a little uncomfortable, or this position actually didn't do anything for me, right? Mm. So then the last layer, we either offer a suggestion Mm. or we open it up for collaboration. Okay. Right? Rather than placing the responsibility and the pressure on our partner to figure it out, we open it up. You know, I didn't... I didn't really enjoy this position. Do you have any ideas Mm -hmm. on things that we can try next time? Right. Mm -hmm. And so then you open up the conversation around it.
0: So it doesn't feel like you did this wrong. So you need to go ahead and fix it. And that goes not just in sexual experiences, but also in the senses of rejection that come to you. And like, man, I just, I, I really feel, I know you're tired and all of this, but I'm really getting that sense of that disconnection. And I really enjoy spending time with you and being with you and being with you intimately. How can we work kind of through that and create space for us right. and stuff. And that's exactly. a very exact collaborative one of the questions that I had down was to how do you help your partner through shame and you said it really well. Uh, In regards to creating a safe space for them, that really Mm -hmm. sounds like that's Mm -hmm. the solution. And again, it goes back to conversations. Like I think conversations is the root. It's really all I do in in therapy. It's just creating conversations and maintaining a safe space. Absolutely. It's also figuring out what does your partner need to feel safe because it's not always compliments. It's not always staying quiet. Sometimes that's very triggering for people, and and they feel like the abandonment stuff and stuff. It can it can go in so many directions, but safety is really personal. How we move from shame is to create dialogue and safe spaces to communicate openly. Then as a partner, the way I can help my partner is to create a safe space so that they can discuss without feeling defensive, without feeling, you know, like a horrible person. Right. And when you're saying what your partner needs, right, they might need something different than what you need. Mm. Because
1: shame is so tied to judgment that at least, at the very least, Mm. it is... Trying not to make your partner feel as though a judgment is being made Mm. for whatever it is that has happened. It's taking a look at yourself and and thinking, okay, where do I place judgment on myself? Mm. Where do I place judgment on my partner? Because if I'm aware of the ways in which I place judgment and the ways in which my partner feels
0: judged by me, Right. Then I can manage those. Then I can better manage those. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's great. Um, I also you know, and mindful of the fact that shame and guilt in regards to sexual experiences, isn't just cultural stuff. It isn't just messages that we get or issues that we might have with our partner, but -hmm. there's also trauma related stuff where they could also feel, um, you know, shame and guilt is if they've never experienced that type of trauma and stuff that actually shame and guilt is a Mm -hmm. big part of it, not Mm -hmm. just anger, resentment or frustration or sadness or grief. Um, so can you talk on that a little bit and really just giving us a space to acknowledge that space too, in regards to shame and guilt to sex? Absolutely, absolutely. Well,
1: again, it comes back to this idea of being broken in some way, right? And not being enough in some way. And I've I've absolutely seen this in my in my work around sexual trauma and then having those conversations with a partner and my clients saying, Well, I don't you know, I can I can tell my partner that that I've had sexual trauma, but I don't want to tell them who i've had this experience with right whether it was a father a stepfather a grandfather an uncle right because especially if those people are still a part of their lives in some way then that that shame is so rooted into again how they view themselves and what they're worth Mm. Right. And so when we start opening up these conversations, I mean, we don't have to share everything. Right. There's a difference between secrecy and privacy.
0: Yeah.
1: There's a difference. Right. And that we can have a whole conversation around that. Right. We are all entitled to our own private spaces. Right. But if we are intentionally hiding things or concealing things, then that is where the shame is driven, right?
0: Because mm, shame lives in darkness. Exactly. And it, and I think also in the moments where it might influence your partner in some right. way, shape or form, or it might influence a person, right. that's where the secrecy versus privacy also gets influenced because, you know, we might want to be like, well, this is my information. Like, this is mine to hold on to. And you're right. like, hey, this is influencing, though. That's where we need to create right. dialogue and, exactly. and figure out how to create a safe enough space because you shouldn't just throw those things you should feel as safe as you need to exactly um, in that regard to be able to have that and so when you when you get an opportunity to work with people um, you know that have had traumatic sexual experiences uh, would you say that it's the same a different process but same road in regards to creating dialogue understanding personally and with a partner it's a little different
1: because
0: we have to create safety
1: within ourselves first Mm. Right. And so because in a lot of ways, if my boundaries have been violated, if if my body has been used and abused in some way, right, then it's it first has to start off with a reclaiming Mm. of my body. Right. That this is mine and it is mine to have and it is mine to do with it what I see fit or yeah. however I want to use my body, mm. not the way you think I should use my body and not allowing for those boundaries to be crossed in a way that's that's reinforcing the trauma mm. in a sense. So right? it is different. So it is different because we have to we have to deal with our own safety first mm. before we can even feel safe with our partner
0: yeah and i think that is really important for partners to hear yeah. right because they'll be they'll want to fix it and the reality is you can't Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. this is a, the, your biggest space is to literally just sit right there yeah and if i need you i can come yes. but this is a process sometimes that people have to do personally yes. and giving your partner that grace even though it sometimes tears us apart because we just want to help our partners for right sure. we want to what do i do what do i have to do to make them feel safe for and you're sure. like Actually, nothing right now. This is a, something we need to create safety within first. And it's not that they're not safe with you. Exactly. It's that in this process, not the same as the guilt and shame from society and, and our expectations and stuff. So looking at shame, I think in general, as we've kind of gone through the entire conversation, Mm -hmm. um, You know, there's so many aspects. It's the space of understanding where it comes from, right, understanding culture, understanding your culture, Mm -hmm. not just, um, you know, maybe a specific, uh, you know, place that you come from or country, but Mm -hmm. even your personal family's experience, right? There's unique uh, spaces in there uh, to understanding your expectations to yourself and and where are you silencing yourself, what discussions do we need to have Mm -hmm. to really move through it because we, I think you said it great, we are deserving Mm -hmm. Of pleasure. Yes. And and there is beauty when partners can be freed from shame and yes. guilt that were bestowed upon them when nothing has gone wrong. Exactly. Um, and you know what? Maybe you had sex before marriage and you feel guilty about that yeah. and you don't like that behavior and that that happened great but it doesn't make you a horrible person exactly and i love that separation of guilt and shame in that regard and and i hope that people are able to take this and kind of create conversation i think out of everything i would want people to walk off and be like hey honey so what'd you like about what i did the other day i'm gonna be like yes that is what i need um and that is my hope thank you so much for joining me My pleasure. yes through this conversation this is the truth about sex and shame